We are uh, in our study in the book of 1 Peter, so if you have your Bibles and want to go ahead and open up to the fourth chapter of the epistle of 1 Peter, we are in a series called Living Hope. And uh, what, a, uh, what a grand word it is, and such a precious commodity and so desperately needed in our world today is this word about hope. And so I'm so glad that you're here today. I know many of you uh, bring a heavy heart to worship today. You've got things on your mind and things on your plate and things on your heart. And we're just glad that you're here today to worship the Lord and to just, just be blessed today. Be encouraged by the Word of God uh, that is about to be expounded, that is about to be preached to you today. And I'm very excited about this message that God has given me. How now shall we live? Is the title of our message today. How now shall we live? You said that sounds like a title of a book I read many years ago. Well, actually, it is. It's the title of a book. I believe it's the best book Chuck Colson ever wrote called How Now Shall We Live? Best book he has ever written. Get my grammar right here. So, what is it uh, that Chuck Colson says in this book that is so intriguing? Well, it's 500 pages. So if you don't want to read it, listen closely, and I'll give you the brief synopsis and thesis of the book. And it goes something like this. Only the Christian worldview is tenable and acceptable. And he goes through all the ideologies and philosophies and even theologies of the world, and he critiques them, and in the end, he demonstrates very powerfully and cogently that the Christian worldview is the only worldview that is authentic, that is real, and that can be defended. You know Chuck Colson's story. He was in President Nixon's cabinet, and he was part of the Watergate scandal, and very brilliant man, and was incarcerated, placed in prison, but there he met the Lord. He wrote this wonderful book called Born Again. God changed him powerfully. He died about a year ago to the day. He died in April of last year, and here we are being blessed by his life and his legacy. And boy, wouldn't that be a great way to go, to be remembered as a man of God, a woman of God, who confronted your culture, confronted your society, and embraced Christ in such a passionate way that you were an example to all who, who knew you and those who come, come behind you. The Apostle Peter asks and then answers the same question of Chuck Colson 2,000 years ago. How now shall we live as followers of Christ in the first century. Now, this was the Apostle Peter. He is writing in A.D. 64 to a band of believers, followers of Christ, who are on the very precipice of a major persecution <clears throat> under a man by the name of, and the neurotic man by the name of Nero. And Nero will be responsible for the martyrdom of the apostles Peter and Paul and many other believers. And so Peter, I believe he anticipates this. He knows that his days are numbered. And he writes this epistle, and really the whole epistle has to do with suffering. How do we as children of God respond to suffering? The, the Old Testament corollary to the New Testament book of First Peter is the book of Job. It's the book of Job. How are we to deal with suffering? And so under the Holy Spirit's leadership, the Apostle Peter, he pens these words, and these are powerful words, and yet they are very simple words. In fact, today, my message is very succinct. It's very simple, but I don't know that it'll be very, very short, so don't get your hopes up too high. But it is simple, and it's very succinct. How now shall we live in this crazy world? The Apostle Peter would say, we are to pray and love and serve. Now remember, he is writing 
to Christians. He is writing to those of us who love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our being. We love you, Christ, and we want to walk with you. We, we want to serve you on planet Earth in our milieu, in our epic, in our day. How are we to do that? Well, I'm telling you guys, the only way you can live a vibrant, successful Christian life is through the body of Christ, a New Testament church. The, the Bible knows nothing of our Americano Lone Ranger Christianity, where we think we can live apart from Christ, live a vibrant, triumphant life, but we live it with Christ apart from the church. That's non-existent. And so you got to remember, Peter writes to the church. And if you're a part of the body of Christ today, let me say this. Welcome. God bless you. God went to great measures to save you. He redeemed you. He saved you. He rescued you. He filled you with His Holy Spirit. You are alive in Christ. And when you die, you, ooh, this is, when you die, you get to go to heaven. Some of y'all ought to tell your faces that this morning. It's all right. God wins. You go to heaven. Woo, man, that's exciting news. So, how, in the meantime, are we to live and sojourn and journey on planet Earth between this time and the end? Well, Peter picks it right up, and he says these words in verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and be watchful in your praying, in your prayers. And above all things, have ectene love. Have this straining intensity about you. Have this intense, fervent love for one another. Now listen, he's writing to the church. We are to love one another, encourage one another, come alongside one another. And, and, and remember Jesus, he said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples because you hate each other, right? No, because we what? Help me. We love one another. That's what Peter says too. Love each other, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. I love that Greek word translated grumbling. It's called gogusamos. That's an onomatopoeia if I ever saw one. It sounds like a hissing snake. Gogusamos. You cannot say gogusamos. And, and, and not think of just grumbling and arguing and fussing. And I, and I thought to myself as I was reading the Word of God, why, why would Peter write these words to the church? Why would he say, make sure y'all love each other, make sure you don't grumble against one another? Well, the reason why is because God knows us. <laughs> Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God that I love, and I'm prone not to love you, and I'm prone to argue and fuss with you. And it's like the, the Holy Spirit, he anticipates that. And he goes, first of all, pray. Be serious. Be watchful. As a child of God in a very jaded, secular, humanistic, pluralistic world, pray and love one another. And don't grumble and don't groan. Verse 10. As each one of you has received a gift, charismata, a gift, diakonos it, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. 
If anybody speaks, let him speak. He's talking about serve. If anybody, speak as if you're speaking the oracles of God. If anyone ministers diaconio, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. What a, what a doxology of praise. This passage, this pericope of Scripture, it just, it just starts like this, like a plane on a, on a runway, and then it just, it just launches up and it reaches this mighty crescendo, this doxology of praise to the head of the church, the king of our lives, none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And we as the body of Christ, how now shall we live? How should we conduct ourselves upon planet earth between this time and that time? Very simply, we are to pray, we are to love, and we are to serve. Now, verse 7 begins with an interesting phrase. He says, the end of all things is at hand. He sounds so much like, James, when James in 5.8 said, the coming of our Lord is at hand. And 1 John 2.18 says this, it is the last hour. And so these apostolic writers, they had this sense of Jesus' return was imminent. I-M-M-I-N-E-N-T, not necessarily immediate. And there's a difference. They lived with this anticipation. Jesus said, nobody knows when I'm coming, but one day I will come again. And James and Peter and John were like, man, that could happen tomorrow. He could come again immediately, and so let us, let us be ready. And you got to remember from heaven's perspective, God doesn't look at time, chronos, like we look at time. We're so time-absorbed. God is beyond time. He's outside of time. The Bible says a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is likened to a day. And I hope this helps you theologically, because you'll have some friends and some colleagues. They will say, see, the Bible's full of errors. James, Peter, John, they didn't know what they were talking about. They were, they were diluted. They, they, were, they were crazy. No, listen. When Jesus came the first time, born of a virgin, lived a sinless die, life, died on a cross for you and for me, arose from the dead, appeared to his disciples, and 40 days later, he ascended to the Father. And let me tell you something, when he ascended to the Father, the countdown is on. Now we are in the last days. From the first coming of Christ to the rapture of the church, these are considered, this period of time, milieu of time, is considered the last days. Because the next great event in God's eschatological clock, if you will, is the return of Christ for His church in the rapture. Oh, glorious day that will be. But, hello, that ain't happened yet. Uh, you're here. I'm here. And so how are we to live? I mean, really, how are we to get along on planet Earth? Well, Peter, he presupposes that you're going to be a part of a vibrant body, a New Testament local ecclesia, a church where the Word of God will be preached unashamedly, unapologetically, line upon line, verse upon verse, where the praise and the worship will be sweet 
aroma, a sacrifice of praise to Almighty God. We'll be a people of prayer. We'll be a people of love. And we'll be a people of service so that when Jesus comes, my friend, we are ready. How now shall we live? Let's first of all begin with prayer. Let us be... It's interesting that Peter uses two imperatives in verse 7, and both of the imperatives modify or point to the main point of prayer. Did you see it? In verse 7, he says, The end of all things is at hand, therefore let us be serious. That's a command. And that word literally means be sober, be self-controlled, have saneness of mind and well-being of your spirit. He says, number one, be serious. And number two, he says, be watchful. And that word watchful means to be calm and to be collective. It does not mean to be naive or gullible. It means to be discreet, to have your spiritual antennas up and be serious as you walk with the Lord and be watchful, be cognizant of what is going on around you in your your life and in your family and in your work and in your church and in your community, have your antennas up. Be ready because you never know how God can use you uh, in that moment. I I like the way one writer put it. He says, when a man's mind is unbalanced and his approach to life is frivolous and irresponsible, he cannot pray as he ought. As followers of Christ, let's be serious. Let's be watchful as we pray. You know, I've read a lot of books on prayer, and the last one I read, and, and our staff has read it, and we love it. It's called The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. Now, I know you're not going to agree with everything that he writes. And by the way, do you agree with everything that anybody writes or speaks or preaches? You say, heavens, no, I'm a Baptist. I don't agree with everybody, anybody on anything. And that's okay. The only person I totally unequivocally, inexorably agree with is God and in his word. But anyhow, read the book. It's a great book. It's called The Circle Maker, and it's impacted me. It's impacted our staff. In fact, we'll be having a staff meeting like we did a couple weeks ago, and an issue came up, and we said, let's just pray about it. And so we just drew a circle around that need, around that issue, and we prayed. Well, Mark Batterson is the author. He tells a true story about the first time the Holy Spirit genuinely spoke to him as a 13-year-old He visited a local church, and the next day, a group from that church knocked on his door. You know, they did that back then, and we still do that today at Great Hills. You visit us, there's a good chance we might even show up on your door. And you say, well, why in the world would you want to do that? Well, we we will. And so they knocked on the door, and this team from the church visited and said, man, we just want to thank you for visiting our church, and do you have any prayer requests? And 13-year-old Mark Batterson said, I thought that was very interesting. Here was people who cared enough to come to my home, knock on my door, my parents, and, and ask us if, if, we could, if they could pray for us. And Mark Batterson said, yeah, pray for me. 13 years of age. He said, I've got severe asthma. Would you pray for me? Would you pray that your God would heal me of my asthma? And what happened next is, is very fascinating. And actually, it's pretty comical. Can, can I read it to you? Sure you can, preacher. Read. That's fine. Go ahead, read. Okay, thank you. I'm going to read it to you. He said, God did a miracle. God answered that prayer, but it wasn't the answer I anticipated. I still had asthma the next morning, but every wart on my feet were gone. 
It was gone. He says, I'm not kidding you. At first, I wondered, did, did God misinterpret the prayer? I couldn't help but wonder if, if prayer was like the game of telephone, where a message gets passed from one person to another person, and finally it gets to God, and somewhere between here and heaven, asthma got translated into warts. Or maybe there was someone with warts who was breathing great that day because they got my answer while I got theirs. He says, I don't know, but this much I do know. The voice, the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit spoke to me for the first time in my life, and this is what he said. Listen to this, church family. Great Hills, listen to this. this is a good word. Mark, I just want you to know that I am able. I am able. Let's be serious. Let's be, let's be watchful. And let's be known as a congregation who is serious about praying, praying for one another, praying as we go through the week, being a people of, of prayer, not naive, not gullible, but, but not legalistic and not mean-spirited, but being a people, well, a people like Jesus, people of prayer. Oh, man, that's just point one. Hmm. I've got a lot more in point one. So let me give it to you. Let me, let me take my jacket off. That always helps me, okay? Let me, because uh, I don't know about you, but I am hot as I can be up here. It is just as hot as it can be. Um, so let me just lay this right here. Kyle, uh, you want to take my jacket or, or, amen, somebody take it. Oh, free. I'm free. Feels good. Whew. Chuck Colson in his book talks about how we need to be a people of prayer because we live in a crazy world. Would anybody disagree with that today? I mean, our world, I mean, listen, guys, how many more movies is Hollywood going to make about aliens? I'm telling you, I, there ought to be a book written on alienology, how to study the aliens, and how many. Now, uh, thanks to Brad Pitt, we're, we're going to have a whole movie about how the zombies, the zombies are coming. And it is just, it's just, here, here's, here's my take on this. When you miss Genesis, you miss everything else. If you don't believe that God created you and God has a purpose for you, it, listen, if you miss Alpha, you'll always miss Omega. If you miss the beginning, you'll always miss, miss the end. Let me tell you something, friend. When we get out of here in a nanosecond, it ain't going to be no zombie. It ain't going to be no alien. It's not going to be some creature from the abyss. I'm telling you, the Son of God will come again, and he'll take his church on to be with him. That is the truth. But in the meantime, we, we've got some interesting days in which we live, and some of our brightest minds believe the following. This person, before I tell you who it is, let me tell you what he believes. Human beings are not evolving enough to avoid extinction through pollution and war. We need to contact the aliens, contact the aliens, and let them teach us how we can evolve to a higher plane. Stephen Hawking, one of the most brilliant men under the sun, believes that we need to contact E.T. 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 Are you talking to listen to me? and teach us how to evolve to a higher plane. Listen to the next one. Carl Sagan. He believed this. He don't believe this anymore, by the way. He's, he's dead. <laughs> our redemption. Listen. Our redemption 
as a human race depends upon communication with our alien friends, extraterrestrials, and if we can only reach them, they will guide us through our evolutionary adolescence. When you miss Genesis, friend, I don't care how smart you are, you're going to throw your mind to anything. You miss Genesis in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. God has a plan. God has a purpose. Mankind, we fell in Genesis chapter 3, and, and we rebelled against God. It's called the, the fall of man, and the Son of God comes. He dies for us. He sheds his blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And when we plunge into that fountain of, of the living blood of Jesus Christ, and we are washed, and we are cleansed, we rise up, and we are a changed people. The Holy Spirit of God lives within us, and we can live a vibrant, a radiant, a joyous life in Christ. And I don't know about you, but I can believe that a whole lot more than I can believe aliens and ETs. <laughs> Extraterrestrials. My word. Really? ET is my only hope for redemption. Talk about faith. Talk about believing in something that you can't see. Well, I've kicked that dog hard enough. Amen. Let me, let me move on to the, to the next thing. We are to pray because Peter said you got to be serious. you got to be watchful. If you're not careful, you'll fall for every ideology, every philosophy, every theology under the sun. But be watchful. Be prayerful. Be alert. And number two, I love this section here. He says, let us love one another. Now, when he says one another, I cannot overemphasize that the antecedent for one another is always, in Peter's writings here, it's the church of God. He says, listen to this, he goes, above everything else. Come on now. Is that not serious? Above everything, have fervent love. Now, the Greek word is ektene, and it is that word that the athlete, when he is in a wrestling match and his muscles are taut and, and every fiber in his being is straining, and he's trying to pin that opponent to the ground, that's ektene. That means to strain. It means to give everything you have to do what? To agape. Isn't that a sweet word? To agape one another. And then he tells us why, and he quotes Proverbs 10, 12, almost verbatim, where he says... Love, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. <sighs> to dwell with saints above, that will indeed be glory. To dwell with saints here below, well, that's another story. And that's true. And I think that's why the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to write these words, above everything else, make sure that you love one another, that you, listen, you can't use the word love without using the word forgiveness. Because somewhere along the line, we as human beings in a local ecclesia, body of Christ, we are going to offend one another, and we're going to be upset with one another, and the way we deal with that is we forgive one another. And we come alongside each other, and we apologize, and we say, I am sorry, and, and let us get back to the basics where it says, love covers a multitude of sins, and we are, Peter says, we are to be hospitable to one another and not grumbling against each other. It reminds me of this comic strip called Andy, Amos, and Kingfish. Has anybody ever heard of Amos and Andy and Kingfish? Some of you older folks, you're like, I remember reading that. Well, Kingfish was always bothering Andy. He's always picking on him. 
kingfish, would pick on Andy. So Andy told Amos one day, he said, uh, you know what, Amos? I'm going to get him. He's not, he's not, he's not going to do it again. I, I'm going to get Mr. Kingfish. When he, listen, here's what I'm going to do. Are you, you listen to me? The next time he comes, I've got something for him. Because he has this habit. Every time he comes by me, he'll, he'll thump me on the chest. He'll, he'll pop me on the chest like that. Here's how I'm going to get him. I'm going to plant some dynamite on my chest. And the next time he comes and thumps, it's going to blow his hand off. He's going to kill himself. And Peter says, let's forgive. Let's not grumble against one another. Let's not moan and groan against each other, but let us be hospitable. Why does he say be hospitable? Well, Listen, they didn't have Holiday Inn Express, Ramada Inn. They didn't have the Renaissance. They didn't have these hotels like we do. They were totally contingent upon the generosity of fellow believers. Traveling preachers, I mean, they came in, they stayed in their homes, hospitable to one another. And no go gusimos, no, no complaining against uh, the body of Christ, against brothers and, and sisters. Let us, let us love. That's so simple. I want to tell you something. So profound. And I get phone calls from pastors. I hear these stories all the time. It breaks your heart. It's devastating. Because somehow, somewhere, it gets twisted around and people get their feelings hurt and people get angry and then they start accusing and then the, thing, the next thing you know, the church is divided up. And, and, and usually right after that, they say, Pastor, preacher, see you later. We're going to give this another shot. They don't deal with the issue and and the Lord help the poor soul that follows that. Because they come in and it's, and it's this repetitious thing. And I don't know if it happens a lot in other denominations, but I'm telling you, there's an epidemic, there's a pandemic of this in the church, in the Baptist churches. Somewhere along the road, we got to get back to the basics. We got to pray for one another and we got to love one another. I mean, come alongside one another, encourage one another, forgive one another, and don't try to blow somebody's hand up. Only to take your life. So let us pray, let us love, and thirdly, I told y'all this is a very simple sermon. Very succinct, very simple, sort of short sermon. Serve. Let us serve one another. Verse 10, as each one has received a gift, a charismata, a charismata, that's where we get this word charismatic, which is a beautiful word. As Baptists, we have so maligned, misaligned this word. It's not an evil word. It's not a taboo, forbidden word. It is a biblical word. When you have received a gift, minister it. Diakonos said, hey, deacons, this is your word. Serve it to one another as good stewards of the multi-variegated dimension of the grace of God. I love this word, poikilos. We translate it here, multicolored. And it is, it's this adjective that is modifying the grace of God. That God's grace is multicolored, it's multifaceted, it's multidimensional. And listen to this, very interesting. That same word, poikilos, is used in 1 Peter 1.6 when it describes our trials. Our trials are multifaceted, multidimensional. And here's the word God gave me. I couldn't wait to share this with you. Are you ready for this? Ooh, listen to this. For every trial that comes our way, the grace of God can cover it. The grace of God can get us uh, through it. 
when we are so busy serving God, using our gifts for His church, we do not have time or energy to be unloving or to complain. He then says there are two types of gifts, and he, he lists these in verse 11. He says there are the speaking gifts and the ministry gifts. Now, I, I don't have time this morning, but I do encourage you, if you don't know your spiritual gift, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4 will teach you what your gift is. And so when you, when you find out what your charismata is, what your spiritual gift is for the edification of the body of Christ, and by the way, all of us, the, I believe the moment we accept Christ and the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ, I believe God at least gives us one gift. Everybody in the church has a supernatural spiritual gift uniquely tailored for you and your life for you to use for the furtherance of the gospel, and for the edification of the body of Christ. Every one of us has that. And some of you have multiple gifts, and, and God bless you. Some of them are speaking, and some of them are ministry. Now, he says if you speak, and you teach, and you prophesy, and you speak, man, you are to be confident. You are to speak as if you are speaking the very utterances of God, because God has gifted you and and God has filled you with his Holy Spirit and when you teach that Bible study and when you lead that small group or preacher when you get up here and you preach the Word of God there ought to be an authoritativeness about you because that is your gift that is your sweet spot you are doing what God has called you to do and you're blessing the Lord and you're blessing your people and some of you are looking at me like I know that's not me I know that's not me because I'm not a speaker and not so fast because it says if you don't speak, then, then do ministry, diakoneo, the verb form. And that just simply means to serve. And by the way, all these tenses are in the present tense. That we are to habitually, ongoingly, continually teaching and, and serving. And, and let him do it, verse 11 says, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. Now look at that word supply. That's an interesting word. That is the word, the Greek word, koriagi. Choreology. It's where we get the word choreography. It's where we get the word chorus. Listen to this word the Lord gave me. Listen, listen to this word. I'm going to share this with you, all right? Excited. When we, as the church, join our gifts with the rest of the body of Christ, the result is a beautifully choreographed demonstration or a lovely chorus of voices that serves others and glorifies God. Wouldn't it be awesome to be a part of a church like that? Where your preacher preaches and your teachers teach. Where your deacons serve and where the whole body of Christ says, hey, I can do that. Hey, I love kids. You need help with vacation Bible school? I'll be glad to. I'll tell you guys, and I'm just gonna, I just got to say this and, and don't get mad at me, okay? You're to love me and forgive me, okay? That's a travesty that we have so many needs for Vacation Bible School. I, I just got to say that. I think that is a spiritual indictment on Great Hills Baptist Church. That our, our preschool children's minister came up to me and was begging me for help. She goes, I've exhausted. I've called in all favors. I've done everything I can. And people are telling me, well, I just don't feel led to do it. Let me tell you something, friend. If you have a gift, you need to use it. 
And if you can't use it here, then please find a place where you can use it. And the church can be edified and blessed. You say, oh, I don't like little snotty, running nose kids. I had enough of them things when I was a young man. I don't want to work with kids. Listen, we still need you. You can help with refreshments or you can help clean up. I don't know. But Vacation Bible School is going to be awesome, guys. We're going to have a packed house of lost people here on June the 30th. And I'm just appealing to you, if you got it in you to serve and help with kids, please help us. You want me to get on my knees? and be- hey, We need your help. Is there any obfuscation, any confusion there? We need help in Vacation Bible School, so help us out. How now shall we live? Let us pray. Let us love. And let us serve, okay? Y'all do this with me. Let us pray. Let us pray, all right? Let us love. And let us serve. Let us serve. When I was pastoring, it feels like another life. It, it really does. It feels like another life. When I was serving in Hampton Roads, Virginia, in my early 30s, which feels like a whole other life, there was an interesting thing that happened on the peninsula. It was, a, uh, it, it was bad. There was a couple... A husband and wife, they were running a prostitution ring out of their home. And if I remember the story right, he's like the pimp and she's the prostitute. It, it made the front page of the paper. Well, come Sunday, I, I had one of our active church members come up to me. And he said, hey, pastor, did you uh, read the article about that prostitution ring of the husband and the wife? And I just want you all to know something. For a second there, I was just mad. I said, yes, I did. And, and before I could launch into this diatribe of, I mean, how evil can you get? That guy said, I read it too. And my wife and I went over to their house. Listen, you could have blown me over with a feather. I said, you did what? He said, yeah, my wife and I, we got to talking about it. We thought, you know, I bet those people are really hurting. Because everybody in Hampton Roads knows their business and knows what they've been up to. So my wife and I went over to their house and knocked on their door, and they opened the door. Boy, then I started getting convicted. Y'all, y'all ever been just real convicted? Like the Holy Spirit going, mm, mm, mm. And I was like, and he goes, yeah, we, we went over and, well, we took them out to dinner. I said, you, no, stop. I said, you didn't take them out to dinner, did you? I'm like, you might get contaminated. You know what, really? You took them out to dinner? He goes, yeah, we, we took them out to dinner, and we developed a relationship with them, and we're praying to Jesus that he saves them. <laughs> Let me tell you something, guys. That's what it means to be a church. That really is prayer, love, and what's the S word? Discern. Maybe you're here today, and you'd say, you know, sign me up. Man, I'm ready to get off of the sidelines, and I'm ready to get involved in the kingdom of God, how do I sign up? Where do I sign up to get involved in in what Peter's talking about? Because I know we're living in some crazy E.T. land, zombie land. I mean, this is, I know, I don't know a lot about the Bible, and I don't know, but I just know that's not right. There's got to be another way. Let me tell you, there is another way, and his name is Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God who loves you immensely and died for you, and arose from the dead just for you so that you could gain entrance 
and to eternal life through His shed blood. If you don't know Him today, would you come to know Him? Would you invite Him into your heart? Would you commit your life to Christ today? Not tomorrow, not after lunch, but today. We'll have pastors, we'll have people up here, we'll pray for you, we'll encourage you, we'll show you how you can begin a relationship with Almighty God through His Son, the precious Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, Pastor, I'm already a Christian and, and I know God's given me gifts and I know I'm not in a local church and I know I need to be and I would join yours, but it's just not the perfect church. And to that, I would respond, amen, brother, because we are a bunch of imperfect people, but we love the Lord. And by and large, we love each other and uh, we, we want to get along with this radiant church vision and we want to touch the nations with the gospel, would you come? Would you come be a part? Man, I need to leave more often. I tell you, I leave, and man, people joining the church last week, and you say, well, I didn't say, yeah. I mean, couples coming forward and, and joining Great Hills Baptist. Actually, we should go to California more often, you know, and just sail out on cruise land. I'm just kidding. I thought that was funny. I guess you didn't. But anyhow, um, <laughs> come, be a part of our church. And uh, link your life with ours and help us reach Austin with the gospel. Father, we love you and we thank you so much that we have a great, great king. And Jesus, you are our commanding officer. You are our Lord and our master. And we, we gladly give allegiance and devotion and worship to thee. Thank you for your church, Lord. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this body of Christ. Thank you for Great Hills. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be a light and a beacon in a dark world, in a very confused city. Thank you, Lord, that we have the truth, but we don't, we don't possess it with arrogance, or we don't possess it with the pride, but we possess it, Lord, humbly and say, thank you, God, for saving us. And may we be a light into our city. Lord, I pray for people right now. God, they too believe in aliens, and they too believe in evolution, and they also have bought into multiple lies. And God, it's hard for them to hear this message. It's hard for them to be told that what you've believed forever is a lie, and you need the truth. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would personalize that message in a way that they can receive it, and they can believe it, and their eyes could be open. Lord, I also pray that you would save people today. God, you would just change people's lives. And Lord, today on this hot June 2nd, 2013, I, I just believe in my heart that, God, you are drawing people to our church in a great way. And I thank you for that. And I pray that you'd give people boldness and courage to unite with us, to come alongside of us and give their tithes and their offerings and give their service and their ministry for the expansion of your kingdom. Father, I pray, and I really ask you, you tell us we have not because we ask not. I want to ask you, Lord, to please inundate Laura Clients with so many volunteers that she'll have to tell me, Pastor, please stop. Please, please stop asking the people, I have way too many volunteers. Lord, would you do that? Would you please help us with that? Such, it's the most strategic outreach we have all year round is Vacation Bible School, where we just bring so many precious kids to the kingdom. So, Lord, would you use us? God, would you just use us up so that when you come, <laughs> and when you come, may we be tired. <laughs> 
may we be tired, Lord. May we just be, oh, here I am, God, I'm just worn out for your service and for the advancement of your precious kingdom. For I pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you stand up with me, please? God bless you as you stand. And we're going to sing a song of invitation. We do invite you to come, be a part of our church. Come to know Christ as your Savior. Let us help you if you would. Why don't you come even now?